Interior, Century City Skyscraper, Day. On September 2nd, 1996, a phone call was placed to Harge Gritchard's office in Los Angeles. Harge Gritchard answered all of his phone calls by screaming because he thought it would give him the upper hand. Harge, it's Denis. Denis? Well, this can't be true. You would never stoop so low to speak to me. You always send Frank. Well, Harge, I wanted to speak to you directly because we have a bit of a situation on set. You didn't kill one of my stars, did you, Denis? Just kidding, you would never do that. There's too much money on the line. Hart, I don't know how to say this, so I'll say it in the language I invented for cyber cowboys. Klaus Kinski is dead? Crucified, actually. I spoke to my biker gang, and they suspect foul play, but have not ruled out the possibility of suicide. How fucking dumb is this biker gang? Hold on, Denny. Frank is on the line, and he says he needs to speak to me. I need to patch him in. Harge, listen, I have some bad news. Uh, Klaus, uh... Frank, I already... No, Denny, I'll handle this. Harge, Klaus, he had to leave the production immediately because his father died of, uh, he... He got crucified. Is that so? I remember Kinski telling me his father died in 1945, fighting the Britishers. Oh, oh, right, of course. It wasn't his father, father, I should have specified. You see, Klaus had a father figure in life, a young man who was a gardener in, in Klaus's town growing up named, uh, shower, toilet, toilet, uh, uh John, uh, Utah, Arizona, Phoenix, Denver, John Denver. A German man. Yes, Jan Denver, and he, um, he taught Klaus how to read, and, 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 uh, and you know, Klaus was, was so passionate about literacy, he'd be, he'd be devastated by the loss of his instructor. Well, that's going to slow us down. When will Klaus be returning? We don't know. Klaus is so grief-stricken that he's gonna, going in a hot air balloon because Jan uh, lived in a hot air balloon for a time, and he even went to space. That's right. Jan Denver was the first German astronaut. Frankie knows. Oh, I see. All right, listen up. This isn't the first time I've dealt with a dead actor on set. You remember Raging Bull? Yeah, it was crazy how Denera gained all that weight. De Niro's twin brother gained all that weight. The man you know as Robert De Niro died in 1977. Wow. First thing I need to know, does Kinski have a twin? Yes, but he is in The Hague for war crimes in Bosnia. Rats. All right, we'll work on that later. For now, you need to keep an airtight lid on this. If this gets out to anyone, the production is dead in the water. You got it. You know what would really help? Eight million dollars for more security. No, you will use the security you currently have. Goodbye. And with that came Cyber Cowboys' first major hurdle. Shooting a movie with a dead cast member is easy. The hard part is making your crew think he's alive. After Kinski's death, Denise scrambled to keep a lid on things. Uh, Denise told me that we needed to prevent a certain piece of information from leaving the set, so I, I broke all the phones. After that was taken care of, Denise had to figure out what to do with Klaus's body. The documentary crew immediately stumbled upon the situation. Oh my god, is it Klaus Kinski on the cross? All right, Pearl, get him down from there. You got it, boss. 
Sounds like you documentary boys know an awful lot about this. Should I be suspicious? Think maybe if we find a coroner, he might be able to tell us what happened. Should I take him to a hospital? No. Take him to makeup. Makeup? Mr. Conter, forget what you just saw here. And stop following me! Denis was already suspicious of the documentary crew that Elena had brought to set. So, at the peak of his paranoia, he hired a second documentary crew to follow around the first one. Unfortunately, the only team available on such short notice was at nearby Arizona State, making Girls Gone Wild. What's up? I'm Gorilla Randy, and I go apeshit for titties. It took Randy and the Girls Gone Wild crew some time to adjust to life on a real film set. Here's some footage. I just can't get the image out of my head. He was a friend of mine. I know it's horrifying, but we need to keep a tight lid on this. He was crucified, Denis. Crucified. Yeah! Woo! Cyber Cowboys on set. We're going crazy! Is that Gorilla Randy, baby? Money! I haven't seen you since we filmed Girls Gone Wild Emerson. Yeah, that place sucked. Now don't tell me there are girls going wild on this set. Actually, Denis hired us to film the making of documentary. Well, that's peculiar, baby, but you have fun now. Denis, Pearl, and Walter Matthau entered the makeup trailer and were inside for a couple hours. Then, around noon, Denis, Pearl, Walter, and Klaus all emerged embracing and walking together. Klaus Kinski was wearing sunglasses and a bucket hat. His legs moved in tandem with one of each of Denise and Pearl's legs, like they were in a three-legged race at the county fair. The group walked incredibly slowly to their places for the first shot of the day. Okay, so, in this scene, Klaus, the train mechanic, gears of war, is banished from info train by Mayor Lancelot who is in a fit of rage that Bookman survived Lancelot's latest attack. Lancelot is truly furious, and Walter, I know you've got this. And... Action. You're the only one who knows a damn thing about this train's security. So instead of killing you, I'm gonna kill this little girl. Oh, that's good child's blood. I'm going to put it in a mason jar, make kimchi with it. Uh, Klaus is going to do all of his lines in post. That's a decision I made. A creative one. And also, he is going to be in a wheelchair. So he's never going to stand. Got it? Everyone say, good idea, Denis. Doing that role was the most painful and difficult thing I've ever done in my life. I mean, some of the things that Mayor Lancelot says are putrid. I mean, I'm reaching levels of darkness I didn't even know I could access. And also, I'm talking to a dead body. Kinski spent the day filming scenes with most of the principal cast. And afterwards, each of them offered some observations to the Girls Gone Wild crew. In this scene, Gears and a rogue Cortana played by Susie Short meet with Bookman, played by Kevin, to discuss teaming up. Kevin, you're of course skeptical, having been betrayed several times. But these two are androids that have been forsaken by their creator. 
and you have a desire to reassemble the family that was taken from you. And action. We know how to get onto Infotrain. We can help you, Bookman. Hey, this guy's dead. Cut. Well, I uh, had an inkling that Klaus might be dead because at some point his sunglasses fell off and there was a fly on his eyeball. Listen, I need you to help me. We are all in grave danger. I think my agent, Billy Clientel, has evil powers. Yeah! Sweetheart, do you want to take some shots? We got rum and rum. The next scene featured Kinski, Costner, and Saturday Lewis's Rolando Netscape looking over schematics for the internet train. Wait, you're telling me that this train is teleport proof? Yes, Gears designed the anti-teleshield himself. Then there's no way on, is there, Gears? Pearl! Uh... There's a secret access ladder in the electro-propulsion tank on the caboose. So we're gonna have to climb out of the caboose the old-fashioned way? We're gonna have to ride alongside it? <laughs> that train goes 290 miles an hour. Good luck finding a horse that fast. Bookman, tell me we're not using horses. Bookman? I'm sorry, I... Uh, hey, this guy's dead. Cut! I find all this voodoo childish, man. I'm trying to win this movie Academy Awards. This is the most serious role I've ever done. How can I deliver my lines to a corpse? I'm Bob Dylan, by the way. Making things even harder was the fact that Kevin Costner was so concussed, he kept forgetting that Klaus was dead. He continued to point this out in so many different scenes that, by the end of the afternoon, everyone on set knew Kinski was dead. Everyone, that is, except for one person. Meanwhile, as the crew was busy shooting, the Rob Zombies had been tasked with preserving the peace in town while trying to find the killers. First, Michael Chicklets placed a phone call to Kanab Mayor Broyle Dunson as the first documentary crew followed him around. Hello, Mayor Brunson. We gotta get to the bottom of the... Oh, shit, I cut all the phone lines, I forgot. All right, boys, we're heading north into town. After heading north for 15 minutes, Michael Chicklets and the Rob Zombies turned around and headed south into Kanab. They were met at the town square, where standing on the front stoop of the sheriff's station was Sheriff Bobtail Nag. Heard your buddy died last night. Who? Eric? Eric died? Oh my god, did you guys hear Eric died? Nah, dude, I'm here. Oh, shit. Oh, thank God. Who the fuck are you talking about? Klaus Kinski. Oh, <laughs> yeah, duh. Wait, we want answers. We need to meet the mayor. For sure you can meet the mayor. He's in his barn working on a ship. I mean, working on his project. We can go. Right after you boys help me drink up all this special made bathtub <laughs> moonshine. Be careful, though. <laughs> It'll put some hair on your back. I have plenty of hair on my back. Come on, boys, let's show this hillbilly how to drink. Fifteen minutes later, the blind drunk group of bikers stumbled into Mayor Dunson's barn. Well, what can I do for you boys? Excuse me, 
Where are my manners? Let me take my welding mask off. Whoa, what are you building? What's under that huge scary tarp? Well, that's my plane. Why is it glowing? Got a lot of horsepower in there. Oh, that's so awesome. Hey, do you know what happened to Klaus? Last I spoke to him, he was talking about going to the cave. Now, I don't know exactly what's in those caves, but I do know that people who go in don't often come out. Oh, thanks for the heads up. We're going to skip that then. All right, boys, back to set. Back on set, production had ground to a halt for a few reasons. The first being Elena Rothschild. Due to the fact that she didn't have a great grasp on English and also the fact that she was a terrible actress, Elena had a certain stilted way of speaking that was quite distracting. Wow, that's the biggest library I've ever seen. Yes, this is a very special library. This library took me years. There are proofs of information hidden 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 Ma'am, are you okay? Cut. Yes, Elena, you read my mind. I had one or two thoughts about your line delivery in that scene. Why is he not speaking like me? I beg your pardon. He speaks like himself, and you speak like yourself. I want to sound more normal, so in order for that, he must sound like me. I can't rewrite him to sound like you. Maybe my government can rewrite the check? Okay, take two. Action. Wow, that's the biggest library I've ever seen. Yes, but remember, well in the library, you must speak library-ease, which is English, but like how I sound. Library-ease is beautiful. Whoa, 100 books. There must be troves of information hidden here in. The rest of the day was spent filming multiple scenes in which various characters explained aloud why they were briefly talking like Elena Rothschild. The next day posed a new problem. Steven Seagal was not happy about the Kinski situation. His scenes with Klaus had been going well until... I never thought you'd be able to get us onto this train. Turns out you're not some info train reject scum after all. Cut! <sighs> that was a tremendous scene. I feel like we really locked horns on an animal level. Klaus? Klaus? Well, you can go fuck yourself. Denis! Yes, Stephen? Something's wrong with Klaus. Well, I didn't want everyone to find out so quickly. He's got a terrible attitude. Look at him. Hey, I'm talking to you. Look at me in the eye. Be a man. This is like Gary Busey all over again. I've been disrespected. So I will be in my trailer and I'll come out when he comes in by himself and apologizes on his own. And just when Denis thought it couldn't get any worse... Denis! Brando disappeared! 
If you've listened to A Closer Look, you know the most important thing to both of us is family. That's why today's sponsor of A Closer Look is an entrepreneur that I know very well, my uncle Jasmine. Uh, Hi, I'm Jasmine Fisher. I'm from Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Great to have you here, Uncle Jasmine. We think that the most important thing for an entrepreneur is your story. So what's the story behind your business idea? Yeah, so one time I was at Foxwoods uh, Casino in Connecticut, and they comped me a room because I kept losing money. I was playing Keno like it was bingo. And I specifically requested they give me a room without an air conditioning unit because I fucking hate air conditioners. I don't like it. We never had it. I don't believe in it. But so what they did was they gave me a room with one like glued into the glass of the window. So I fucking kicked that thing as hard as I could and it broke the window right away and the AC fell like 10 stories and it went right into the sunroof of a Bentley and it hit a lady and her dog who died. So I pretty much... I ran out of there and I went down the stairs. At this point, I was just gonna hide in the first room I saw, which was in the lobby, and it ended up being a magic show. And the lady at the front made me buy a ticket. The only ticket left cost $500 and was in the front row and you're contractually obligated to be an audience volunteer. So of course I get immediately pulled up onto the stage and this magician asshole puts me in a box and starts sawing in half with the huge saw and I'm screaming bloody murder. I'm yelling, put me back, put me back together. Once I'm back together, I'm basically an anaphylactic shock. So I start swinging my arms around in circles. I hit a couple guys. I think I hit a lady. So I've hit two ladies at this point. Anyway, the magic show has this elephant. And I'm thinking I can ride it out of here. So I grab onto its trunk and I started to climb it like Legolas in Lord of the Rings 3. But it throws me off and launches me through the fire exit. So I tumble down several flights of stairs and then I hit the ground and I get up and I start running immediately. I could hear footsteps right behind me. But looking back, I sort of realized that those weren't other people's footsteps. Those were sort of the echoes of my own. But I thought I was supposed to hide. So I burst into, again, the first room I saw, which ended up being this huge, red, dimly lit room. And I looked around and I was clearly in the Rhode Island version of the Eyes Wide Shut Sex Party. And it really wasn't fancy at all like it was in the movie. It was actually kind of sad. Everybody was out of shape. Instead of like a blindfolded piano player, they had a blindfolded guy trying to play the drums and he was missing a lot. And they were, instead of wearing cool masks, they were just wearing stuff that they had laying around the house. Like a hockey mask, a beekeeper's helmet. One guy was just wearing goggles. And I could see right through a lot of that stuff. So I recognized most of them. Like I saw the governor... My city councilman out to high school with the guy. And I said, hey, fellas, I just need a place to lay low for a while. If you'll just let me chill here for a bit, I promise I won't tell nobody a thing. But before they could say anything, I got arrested. You see, what had happened was back when I was in my hotel room, I had been drinking a cod in the orange juice. And when the AC fell, I thought about throwing it away. But I didn't want to leave DNA evidence. So I put it in my pocket. I was wearing cargo shorts and I had a big pocket, really big. Like you could put a football in it. But when the elephant threw me, it busted the cotton and it started leaking. So all the police had to do was follow the orange juice trail. So they put me in jail and I thought that was it. But luckily I got bailed out by my buddy Jason. You remember him? British guy, we went to high school together. Jason Statham, you probably don't remember him, but he was at your baptism. Anyway, we were good friends, but uh, but, uh, yeah, I still owe a lot of money to Foxwoods. 
uh, the zoo that owns that elephant, and then all the ladies I hurt, which ended up being a total of at least a lot. But yeah, that's that's uh, that's why I'm here today. So yeah. Okay. Are you are you done? Yeah. Holy shit. So, Uncle Jasmine, why don't you tell the listeners about your product that you've created? Oh, it's the fridge blanket. The fridge blanket. Yeah, you know how you get hot sometimes when you're sleeping? Yeah, so this cools you off. You probably want to know how it works. Well, it works scientifically. You see, it's full of water, so the cold freezes it, and you wear it around your shoulders. It's less of a blanket and more of a cloak. Uh, like how Legolas wears. That's the second time you brought up Legolas. So it's full of frozen water. Is is it? Is it hard? Yeah, it's pretty hard. So it's like a big, heavy, frozen rectangle? Why did you make this? Because I fucking hate air conditioning. How much are they? $5,000. Wow. wow. Take it or leave it. Uh, are, are you talking to me? Oh, no, man. I'm not going to buy that. Fine. Bye-bye. We'll tell you right now that Marlon Brando is not dead. He is four hours away in Las Vegas. And guess who he's with? We'll give you one guess. Yeah, that was on me, baby. See, I saw Marlon sitting by himself in the cafeteria eating a turkey leg like a sullen King Henry V. And I thought to myself, there's a king that needs a banquet. So I said to him, hey, Mr. Hungry, I know a member's only buffet that tastes like Aphrodite's bosom. It's at the Circus Circus. So you just took him to Las Vegas. You see, I didn't have much to do on set. I wasn't in it. I wasn't acting. Well, I did have a cameo, but that's another conversation for another moonlit night. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll keep an eye out. If you blink, you'll miss me. But if I wink, you'll kiss me. What did you do with Brando when you arrived in Las Vegas? Well, I lost sight of Marlon almost immediately. So I got myself a two-foot daiquiri and went for a walk. A few hours later, I started getting really scared. I realized I couldn't just lose him. I mean, I'm Money McDonald's, but he's Marlon Brando. So I turned around and jogged back to the Luxor. You know, the one that looks like a big pyramid? And I ran into some of Marlon's celebrity coterie. You know, people like Randy Newman and Deion Sanders. And Deion told me that he saw Marlon go up to the club at the top of the pyramid with six Japanese women. And I said, I gotta go pay a visit to the all-seeing eye. Do you want to know what I saw? Yes, Money, of course we do. I expected to see a tangle of limbs, but instead, I saw Mon and Brando eating sushi off of six ladies doing the naked sushi table thing. His hands were a blur. He was eating off of all of them like, how you know how Peter Gabriel will sometimes have six keyboards all around him, he'll be playing on all six? That's what he was doing, but with naked sushi table ladies. What did you say to him? I said, hey, Marlon, let me get some of this eel. And then he damn near bit my finger off. I said, Marlon, you're living, baby. How did you convince him to get back to set? Well, that's the sweetest piece of the whole key lime pie, baby. He suggested it himself. Boy, damn near ate himself sober. You see, two hours later, we were having oysters at dawn, and Marlon looks at me and says, I've eaten everything there is to eat. I want to go act. Do you know of a movie I could go be in? And I thought about it for a moment, and I couldn't think of anything. But then I remembered. 
We're supposed to be making a movie right now, baby. We can just go be in that. Two minutes later, we're in my helicopter, the Heaven Copter, flying over the Hoover Dam. We got back to set just in time for that delightful marionette number. The marionette number Money was referring to was Denise's plan to coax Steven Seagal from his trailer. As Walter Matthau explained in a later interview, I told Denise that we should just recast. Pearl Huet said we could just let Steven fake kill Klaus. But someone correctly pointed out that that would be a real give a mouse a cookie situation. So Billy Clientel said this, and his mouth wasn't moving now that I think about it, that human beings are nothing but puppets. And then Denise said human beings are nothing but puppets, like he had just come up with it himself. And with that, the plan was hatched. The plan was this. First, Eusebio Crisco was dispatched to the roof of Stephen's trailer to dangle down a series of strings with hooks on them. Then, Pearl Huet crawled under the trailer and sawed a hole around Stephen's bonsai tree named Stephen and snaked a PVC pipe through the soil up into the trailer. Stephen Seagal noticed none of this as he was in the bathroom inventing new karate moves he could do on the toilet. By the time that Stephen exited the bathroom, the crew had hung Klaus's corpse from the fish hooks to make it look like he was just standing there. Stephen did not notice the roughly 50 fish hooks hanging from the ceiling because the sunglasses he was wearing indoors were far too thick. We have audio of the interaction. I respect your stealth. You move like a panther. Jason Callback sat underneath the trailer and piped in his Klaus Kinski impersonation through the tube. Even the mightiest warrior can be slain by stealth. I've often said that myself. Here, let me offer you some ginseng tea. Ah, never taste the drink you didn't prepare yourself. Well done. It seems I underestimated you. I will enjoy our battle. Now fuck me, I sat on that rock. Do you need a band-aid? Uh, I came here to offer you a show of respect between two tribesmen on this movie. I will delay my forgiveness until we prove ourselves to be of equal strength. Perhaps we can engage in a game of strategy. And then Steven said three words that terrified all 12 men on the roof. Rock, paper, scissors. Shit, what do I do? What about the different game? Uh, how about uh, uh, I Spy? No. We will play the game that the tradesmen played on the Silk Road. In a frenzy, the men on the roof tried to drop three hooks onto Kinski's arm, elbow, and hand. Unfortunately, they were not able to secure his hand, which meant they could only raise and lower Kinski's arm. Okay, on shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Uh, paper. <laughs> the most feminine of the three choices. Unfortunately, it defeats my powerful rock. We shall recommence. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, uh, paper again. Though I lost this battle with rock, I will use this information to win the war. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. God damn it. Again, rock, paper, scissors. 
This went on for about five hours before Stephen finally admitted defeat. You have bested me, and I'm honored to have known your warrior spirit. As a gesture of friendship, I would like to teach you my toilet Aikido. The men on the roof walk Kinski to his chair. Steven sits next to him. Do these moves exactly as I do. Oh man, we can't do this one. We gotta abort. Nonsense, you gotta believe in yourself. <sighs> Come on. <sighs> Ooh. Shoom. Faster. Close fist, goddammit. Awful. Punch me in the face. Too slow. You call yourself a warrior? Steven was frustrated with Kinski's poor Aikido technique, so he threw him through a window. I could never respect someone like you and change the shirt with all the strings hanging out the back. You look like an old blanket. So no progress was made and nothing was accomplished. Honestly, we're sorry we included that. Anyway, despite his continued beef with Kinski's corpse, Seagal, ever the professional, showed up on set the next day ready to act. And just when the Seagal situation solved itself, the Elena Rothschild problem came back. Her library ease had little impact on how uncomfortable she seemed in front of camera. All right, so, in this scene, Elena, you're torn. You have feelings for both of these men. But you know, if you reveal the truth to them, both of their lives will be ruined. When you express this, you have to know your love of information has to supersede your love of human beings. This has to be shown not through your words, but through your eyes. Can you try that? What are you doing? Why are you squinting? Stop licking your lips! Now your eye is twitching. Are you doing that on purpose? Whatever, we'll just shoot around it. Action! You said you had some information for me. That ain't cheap around these parts. I don't know yet, Tonto. I don't think sharing it is a good idea. Just tell us what you know, Cookies. We need this information. It could save lives. Or cost you yours. I... Uh... <laughs> oh, goodness. Do you have a napkin, Gonny? <laughs> she puked and said Nate Keen. Gonny, seize them. At this moment, the first documentary crew put down their cameras and began fighting the Girls Gone Wild crew. The crew spent several minutes cleaning up Elena's mess and Klaus's corpse before once more attempting to film the scene. This scene was pivotal to Cyber Cowboys because it's the scene where Steven Seagal's character is revealed to have been involved in killing Kevin Costner's family. When Seagal is pressed on this, he betrays Bookman and the rest of the crew by joining with Mayor Lancelot. Action! Uh, uh, what's my line again? You betrayed me, Jay! Hey, this guy's dead. Cut! Denise spent the entire day and night and morning trying to get this pivotal yet easy scene shot. Only three days into production, they were a week behind schedule. As he said in a later interview, Walter Matthau was as furious as he'd ever been. I was a little sour, I'm sorry to say. Got a little ticked, so rather than inconvenience or upset anyone, I decided to remove myself from the situation and go for a stroll through town. Some of the people filming followed me around. I didn't mind. I appreciated the company. 
Walter walked leisurely into town, stopping to gander at some horses. Eventually, he made his way to Meg Benedict's diner, where he saw something peculiar. Welcome to the Nutrient Post. What are y'all doing here? I thought y'all movie folks was told not to come into town after sundown. What are those fellas eating? Looks like they're eating a whole meatloaf in one go. What is that, a meat log? Why is it gray? Eating a protein log in one go is just one of those canab things. I don't know nearly no folk around here who don't unlock their jaw to swallow the log whole. Well, that's mighty strange. Maybe I'll come back for a coffee in the morning. You do that. Walter then leaves the nutrient post and walks down the road. After about 50 yards, he approaches a building a little ways away from the town square. There's a light on. The silhouette of a man looks out at him through the window. The door swings open. A voice calls out. I know it's dark out, but is that Walter Mathau? Yes, it's nice to meet you, sir. My name is Colt Winchester, and I run this here Museum of Western Film History. Oh, that's nice. I'll pay a visit during operating hours. Uh, could you point me back to set? I quite enjoyed your performances in Charlie Varick, A New Leaf, The Taking of Pelham 123. That's so kind, but I do need to get out of Canab, so... The Odd Couple. Failsafe. Who could forget Failsafe? Like Dr. Strangelove, but serious. You must come to the museum sometime. We have all sorts of movies and movie treasures. Thank you, I... What's that? On the film, we can't make out much. Figures rush out of the desert shrubs and run past Walter Matthau. A dozen people, maybe more, all making a beeline to the museum. They sprint with otherworldly speed. Their arms flail over their heads like the used car lap balloon men. Colt Winchester slams the door of the museum shut. The loud bang echoes out, and the townsfolk immediately stop. Some of them exaggeratedly point up at various rocks. Others look at the stars. One or two tie their shoes like they'd just been caught tailing someone and were trying to seem inconspicuous. But all the while they looked on, eyes fixed to the Museum of Western Film History. Walter watches the scene and turns to the cameraman. It's like there's something in there that they want that they need. There's something strange happening in this town. What do you think, Gorilla Randy? These bitches have gone wild! (laughs) 